Hey, if you like us and think we're doing a good job, please leave a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. It really helps grow the show. Also, check out the video version of the podcast at our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C slash Haposupremacy. And now, let's get into what's happening. Hey, what's happening? This is episode 92, and this is Shane. No Nico. Sorry, I know everyone loves to see Nico on here, but it's just my uh, my ugly mug. Sorry about that. Um, so anyway, uh, I have a good guest with us today. I have Sean Finch. He's over uh, across the pond, as they say. Uh, how are you doing, Sean? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, I'm actually a bit of a new fan of yours now. I haven't seen... Well, only one of your podcasts, but it was entertaining <laughs> enough. Uh, I've, I've, I've definitely subbed you, so I'll get all notifications now with your new uh, new episodes. Awesome. Well, appreciate that. Thank you so much. Sometimes it usually just takes one yeah. to be like, "Oh, okay, wow, this is uh, this is an interesting show." To put it lightly, uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, so again, thanks for coming on and uh, taking some time out of your day to, to talk with me and everything. Um, so. The main reason that you're on is because there's this whole thing about the Libertarian Party UK, and we'll kind of get into that uh, as we go more into the show. But the first thing that I wanted to ask is just, uh, you know, who you are and uh, what's going on right now, and what you're, uh, and some of the things that you're running for. So go ahead. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, a bit of a long journey for me to uh, sort of explain quickly into how I got into libertarianism um but just a little quick backstory of me um i've always been into politics really um although i was never really kind of awoken like that sort of cringe term of you know the red pill you know that kind of thing but i i studied government and politics um back in college um as well as history and law so they're all kind of those three politics law and history they usually some of it even overlapped even because it's kind of a similar kind of um topic um but i even despite having studied uh politics uh, we, we were never told anything about libertarianism i mean i've still got a book um from uh, about oh god how, was, how long is it now almost 15 years ago of um that same textbook and i remember um having having uh, you know just sort of flicking through it and although there was pages and pages of conservatism of socialism of liberalism when it came to libertarianism it always stuck in my mind that there was only one page of it and it wasn't even a full page it was like about half the page and it was about a couple of paragraphs and it was just a sort of basic and even even now looking back at it even reading the definition of it it was like very uh, well i wouldn't it was just a bad definition of libertarianism i think and I think the reason why that is, is because, and I think in America it's the same as well, it, it's mostly state education. A lot of like, you know, the, the public schools and stuff like that, in, in the sense that it's the state schools, I mean, not like private schools, right. um, is that why would a state who has pretty much a monopoly on the education system want you to ever know about a philosophy that basically says that, get the state out of your life you know the state should do as little as possible and and manage as little as possible and i think now although it might sound like conspiracy theory 
it, to me, I honestly do believe that they have suppressed the ideology of libertarianism because no one in this country barely knows of libertarianism. And I, I've stood now for four elections, um, two as for member of parliament and two for local councillor. Um, obviously not, not successful for, for any of them because the philosophy and even the party name, a party I stood for at the time, the Libertarian Party, um, no one knows about it. Most people, when I knocked on the doors, people would would confuse me for uh, there's, there's a there's a there's a the third biggest party in England is the Liberal Democrats, mm. who are by the way neither liberal nor democratic. Um, it's just one of these sort of you know uh, back uh, newspeak where everything's opposite nowadays. So no one even knew about it. So it was so my sort of goal was to really was to spread awareness of the philosophy um, as well as hopefully might maybe get elected too. But the, really my primary goal has always been to spread the, not just simply the philosophy, but just the name itself. Like libertarianism or libertarian is just such an unknown word like in, in, in the UK, um, in all of the parts of the UK, at least in America and perhaps Canada too, at least they are quite sizable parties and very sort of brand recognition so yeah so that's my that's my goal at the moment and now uh, my goal at the moment is i am very i'm pretty sure i'm going to be standing for assembly member for the greater london assembly because within london yet we have another giant bureaucratic uh, political body known as the London Assembly. So we have, obviously we have Parliament and the London Assembly, and then there's even the City of London too, which is almost a completely, well, it's, the City of London is a complete separate um, independent state. It's sort of like the Vatican City. It's an independent state. A lot of people don't really are aware of that, but that's something else for another time. But yeah, so in 2021, May, I'll hopefully be running for Assembly member um, so yeah, that's uh, that's my goal at the moment. Yes, it's it's interesting that you're kind of talking about uh, you know how little I guess people know about libertarianism over there in the, in the UK. It's it's quite interesting because you know here in America, uh, the US is uh, you know for sure it's I mean liber the Libertarian Party. We'll just talk about the party. It it is the third largest party. At least that's what I'm told. But when it comes to successes, I mean, really the only types of successes that I can think of are just kind of the, and it's not, this isn't like a, a knock or anything like that, but it's, it's, it's mainly the, the local uh, elections and stuff like that, which are really important, you know, and to kind of have those local uh, elections won by libertarians and, and everything like that. And it's great. Mm. But when, when you look at just the Congress here, of course, it's just Republicans and Democrats. And then there is one libertarian as of right yeah. now, and it's Justin Amash, but he was originally a Republican and he has switched parties. It wasn't just he straight up won a, a seat or something as a libertarian. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there there have been successes here as uh, for um, libertarians and all that in the, in the party. But again, there's a, still a huge mountain yeah. to climb. And then listening to what you're talking about over there in the UK, it seems like it's like you're trying to, it's like Mount Everest, basically. You're trying yeah. to climb Mount Everest it, when over here, it's just, it's not, it's a still a big mountain, you know what I yeah. mean? But over there, it's almost like, 
wait, yeah. libertarianism? What is that? Because you're saying it's only like what half a half a page or something. That's that's like that's hardly anything, you know? Yeah, I know. It, it's it's really quite. Uh, and my and you have to understand as well. Like just to continue sort of what I was saying about uh, when I was studying um, politics at, at college is that yeah. I left um, after I you know finished college, went to uni. And I, I, dropped, I actually dropped out of uni after the first year because I, I couldn't, I, you know, it just it just was not for me. Yeah. Um, and I'm sort of, in a way, I'm glad that I did because a lot of my friends who did go to uni, not all, but like a lot, sort of are really struggling nowadays because I think it's become a, a little bit of a con because everyone seems to be going, you know, in this country anyway, in, in England, what happened was is that we had, um, back in 97, we elected Tony Blair, uh, who was quite very renowned uh, for the wrong reasons, of course, because of the Iraq war and stuff like that, yeah. And he, he pushed this policy called education, education, education. And basically what happened was is that everyone and their dog, it seemed, uh, went to university and it created this sort of um, situation, almost like, an, uh, like a market sort of thing where if you've got too much of something, then that becomes worthless. Like if everyone had gold, for example, gold would be worthless. The whole point, reason why gold is valuable is because it's a scarce, it's a scarce metal or that's the reason why. But now what's happened is because everyone's now coming out of the back end with a, with a, with a degree, it, it creates an oversaturation of the degree market. So many people, especially if they got not very good, um, well, what I would call like the topic that they've studied, like, you know, critical dance theory or something like that, or some sort of like feminist kind of like um, a degree, it, it's just not in demand. There isn't a demand for it. So, it, so I know a lot of people my age now, I'm 33 now, um, is, if they're not living with their parents still, they're living like something like four people in a house, like they were still students. And it was sort of like created this forever student effect where they don't really, where they're just constantly living because they've never, I don't know, experienced sort of, well, they are adults, but they seem to be living a very student lifestyle. I don't know. But just to, just to carry on, is that what happened for me is, is that, um, I was my first ever party I actually ever voted for was the Green Party, and I was considered I was in the Green Movement um, back when I was young. I was a very different person, um, and then when I went in, well, I left the sort of Green Movement because I noticed that a lot of people were giving lip service to sort of green messages. But when it came into practice, a lot of people were not living a green lifestyle. And I sort of saw a lot of hypocrisy in that. And you still see it to this day. Yeah. Um, and also there was a underlining, I see it now. I didn't see it then. I knew there was something wrong though. But basically there was a very big socialist um, sort of push under un, underneath um, the whole message. And you see this sort of now with what I think with sort of Black Lives Matters and Extinction Rebellion. It's got it's very much a socialist kind of like movement and they're using that as a front, but really behind the mask of it, it is a socialist kind of movement. And a lot of good, decent people are being tricked in that by using it. And I even said this when I when I last stood for parliament, you know, when one of one of the hustings that were held, um, as in when when all the MP when all the candidates go and 
people can ask, you know, questions, you know, like a debate, simply. Mm -hmm. um, the first ever hustings was held by the local Extinction Rebellion group. And when I said all of this, oh, my God, the booze that I got, you know, it became like a pantomime because I was because we had the the other four candidates, the conservative, um, oh, no, the conservative didn't even bother showing up, um, the, the Labour, the Lib Dem and the Green candidate, they all said the same thing. They were praising Extinction Rebellion. It's like, oh, well, we, we love that you guys hold all the ambulances up and everything. You know, like, you know, we think you guys are great. And it was like the same person spoke three times. Right. And then when it got to me, because I happened to be last, and then I, I went, no, I think I think Extinction Rebellion are terrible. <laughs> so they didn't quite like that. Um, you know, and I just said, look, you're very nice people and stuff. And you seem, you know, and I'm sure it sounds very romantic when, someone comes up to you and say, join our join our Extinction Rebellion movement because the earth is going to implode or something in 10 years, then it, it sounds very noble and very decent. But unfortunately, you are being used, you know, because and, and there's two Mark Twain quotes that I use is that it's easy to fool a man, but it's hard to convince that man that he's been fooled. And uh, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth can get his trousers on, you know, because... Right. And, and people don't like that, you know, when, that they've been fooled, you know, and, and they, sometimes they can't they can't admit to that sort of sort of problems. But but yeah, so I was in the green movement first, and then um, when I was in my early twenties, uh, no, uh, late teens, early twenties, I became I was a full on Che Guevara t shirt wearing university student socialist. Um, no word of a lie. Um, I even had I remember. The book I still got George Orwell's 1984, and from that day I still got it in my you know, bookshelf, like um, next door. And I haven't read it since this is only about a year ago. Got it out, and it still had the same bookmark I was using, and no word of a lie, like no irony whatsoever. Like I generally thought this was a proper thing to do when I was young and dumb, was that I was using a Che Guevara postcard as a bookmark for 1984 so, oh, wow. so that's how this is this is the way i was thinking back then you know and when i was in the green movement my basically my thinking was yeah trees are great you know like that was basically all i as far as intellectually i went so then um yeah so i was voting for the labor party then mm -hmm. and then i noticed that because i lived in a bit of a one of the poorest areas in London, it's called Lewisham, um, where it is totally dominated by Labour, which is like the equivalent to the Democrats um, over in America, um, where literally all 60 councillors were Labour. There wasn't one dissenting voice. There wasn't one, not even a Lib Dem or a, or a Conservative or even an Independent. There was there was no, it was totally dominated by Labour. There... It, the borough had three MPs, members of parliament. They were all Labour. And we even had a executive mayor of, of Lewisham, who was obviously also Labour. And then obviously the mayor of London, Sadiq. Um, well, when I was there, it was Ken Livingstone. He was the first ever mayor of London. Um, he was Labour too. So it was an area totally dominated by Labour. And I saw, I witnessed having been a citizen within that area, um, Labour, um, Lewisham constantly, all of the worst things went up and all of the good things went down. 
that that was that that was labor that was that was their sort of management they made they turned a crap hole into even more of a crap hole and they turn you know anything that was good just shutting down business you know business would go and you know and all this sort of stuff and i started noticing that the neighboring borough bromley um was mostly dominated by the conservatives which is like the republicans to you guys and it was like day and night the difference like you would you you would just walk into the boundary where it became Bromley and no longer Lewisham, and it was just it was just as and I and I think a lot of people notice this. You you look at all the conservative areas, and, and they're just better. Like you know, objectively they are just better. I think you, you can't you know, and I'm I'm looking this from the lens as well where I'm not, I don't vote conservative anymore. So from then I'm starting voting conservative, and again I was like disappointed because well. The conservatives, just like the sort of rhinos, you know, Republicans in name only, the conservatives are conservative in name only. Like, what exactly are the conservatives conserving anymore? You know, like, there isn't anything. So from then, having pretty much voted for... Oh, and then I was in the Lib Dems um, beforehand. And this was at a time of... This is just before my red pill kind of political awakening then. I helped a friend because get elected as a local councillor because i was quite you know good at talking to people and stuff and charming people but you know maybe maybe not but <laughs> so i this is this is during 2016 now not before so just before trump um was elected but this was the european union referendum that we had and I, believe it or not, I mean, some people are shocked by this when people who know me now, I actually voted Remain in the European Union election, in the European referendum. I wouldn't do it now, definitely not. Um, <laughs> it, because I, I honestly didn't know. And it's like, there is this sort of, uh, it makes me laugh now when I see all these Remainers now, or rejoiners, I suppose they really should be called now, um, is that they always, they're sort of like, very in they think they're very intellectually superior to brexiteers and they look they and i know they look down on brexiteers like i i was friends with many of these people they used to the way they used to talk about brexiteers it was like well it's just not very nice um but it makes me laugh when they say oh brexiteers didn't know what they were voting for i can tell you right now it is quite the other way around um remainers honestly think that european union is this lovely happy rainbow sunshine world where everyone just dances around kumbaya rain you know like it's just this and it's not like that at all like when i actually looked in the in it to it my, myself after the referendum thinking because i was shocked i was like wow like i got it wrong i thought that remain would win this outright and that was the sort of awakening for me. I, you know, a lot of my friends, or former friends in some case, because they've totally disowned me. It isn't the other way. It isn't that I've, you know, I'm, I'm welcome to other people's opinions, but they didn't like that I changed my mind and they sort of disowned me. But I looked into it because Remainers don't really know how the EU works. They just think it's just this, you know, they're scared that if you say that you're a Brexiteer or not for the EU, you're going to be called a racist or something, some nonsense like that. Yeah. But it's not a democratic place. Like, we do have MEPs, members of European Parliament, where, you know, just like MPs, they go to Brussels or Strasbourg 
and they, you know, they rob, but they're not, they're, they're like, they're like MPs in name only. Like they don't have the same powers as a congressman or a member of parliament or a senator. Like they can't make legislation. They can't repeal legislation. All they do is that the European Commission, who are appointed, they're not elected, they're not accountable to anyone, they can't be removed, um, they make the legislation and then it's just passed down to the European Parliament and then the MEPs have no power and all they do is just simply rubber stamp it and it's just a sort of formal process to make it look like it's a democracy, but it's a total sham. That's what it, it, it basically is. Um, but yeah, I remember the day or the couple of days after the the result came in, where you know Brexit uh, leave won, and this is what really did wake me up. And I said, I I don't like this. I don't. I think I'm on the wrong side here. I think there's something. I've you know, is that we're in a pub in Dulwich in, in southeast London, and the fr all my friends who I you know who were Remainers and we were, you know, going on about the EU and stuff. Mm -hmm. Straight away from day one, they were conspiring to overturn the biggest democratic act in UK history. Like they, and I said, well, hang a minute, we're liberal Democrats, you know, like, uh, you know, I've, I've never been a member of a party, but I considered myself still a liberal Democrat. I said, hang a minute, we're liberal Democrats. We're meant to believe in liberalism and democracy. It's in our name. I remember when I said that, it was like time had froze and they all just stared at me like I like I was, I, I don't know, like I was from another planet or something. And they just couldn't understand. They said, oh, yeah, but yeah, but they're stupid. They didn't know what they were, they were voting for. And I said, yeah, yeah, but how about we just campaign for a new referendum like sometime in the future, like, yeah. you know, once every 10 years or whatever. I don't know, something like that. And they just weren't having it. They were like, no, we've got to do it again. We've got to do it again. We've got to do it again. And I said... Yeah, but we that that's what sort of that's what bad people say. <laughs> you know, like, so that was that and then I was politically homeless for for a while. And it was just so by chance I on Facebook, uh, a friend of mine left a status or whatever, and I can't remember what the status was, and then I commented on it, and then someone else then commented on it. So, you know, you get like a notification saying, oh, whatever, someone. Yeah. And it was this, uh, not a friend of mine, but a friend of this other person's, right? And I noticed in their profile picture, they had a little border and, you know, like a border in it. And it said Libertarian Party UK. And I just went, and then then it all came back. And went, Liber libertarian is, libert and, I was, it was like, and then it, it straight away, I went back to that, you know, that, uh, that book I was talking about, the exercise book, uh, and I remember going, because it always just stuck, because it sounded like kind of a cool name, you know, libertarian, you know, that sort of thing. And I remember, and then I messaged this individual who, I can't remember, I don't think I've ever met him, maybe I have met him, I don't know, um, in real life, and I said, oh, tell me more about the libertarian part, and then he just, and, and that's how it began, and then looked into it, and I looked into the philosophy, found out about Ron Paul, and people like that, and I was like, whoa, like, you know, this this is me, like, this, this is totally what I'm about, you know, and then I got into the economic side of it after the sort of civil side of it of like, you know, liberty, free, you know, like freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, but, and then I got into the economic side of it and I was like, whoa, and it was like a sort of second red pill for me. And I was like, whoa, like, you know, it, you know, it sounds all boring on paper, like economics, markets, you know, yeah. 
that's all boring. Like, but when you actually look, well, for me anyway, when you actually look into it, it's like, whoa, like that is, I've never ever thought thought about it in that regard. Like, you know, nieces and, you know, I did work my way up, but like, it was first like, you know, Chicago, uh, Chicago school with um, uh, Friedman. I've met his son as well, um, David Friedman. It looks just like, weird in a way, he looks just like his father. Um, um, at the Adam Smith Institute. And um, and then I got into uh, Austrian school with, you know, Mises and Hayek and stuff like that. But, yeah, so that's it. Um, but, unfortunately, I'm not in the uh, libertarian party at the moment. I suppose that's going to be your next question, I imagine. Uh, well, yeah, uh, kind of going some some of the things that you were talking about, kind of going back to, um, I don't know, this the name that Tony Blair came up with with his, uh, his education plan. To say education three times, uh, they'll, they'll get it into their head. Education, education, education. I, I guess that'll work. Why not? Um, yeah, Tony Blair, he was, uh, yeah, let's, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> Tony Blair. I'm sure for. He's back, he's back again. Like, it's amazing. He disappeared for a long, long time because of, you know, what, what all of the sort of. Not very good, not great. We all, everyone loved him at first. He was like the sort of um, in '97. I mean, he's the second. I think he's the second longest serving prime minister ever. Mm. And I think it's it, it also explains why. And this is just my opinion that why the Conservative Party are no longer conservative because what I think's happened is is that the Conservative Party watched in disbelief that the Labour Party successfully had three consecutive election wins, um, or possibly four, I can't remember now. Uh, it's at least three anyway. And they couldn't understand that why they weren't getting through. So what they basically done was, just like any business, because let's be honest, political parties are essentially businesses. Um, they basically changed the model of their, of their platform. So no longer was it a conservative slash uh, even libertarian kind of party because even um, during Thatcher's time, the libertarian, uh, the conservative party emblem, like the symbol of it, was a liberty torch. A lot of people don't remember that or even know that. Now it's just a tree. Um, but before it was a, it was an actual liberty torch, um, you know, on fire. You know what I mean? Like the like the libertarian party in the U.S. Um, just like that one. But obviously, so they, what they did was in the oh, fifteen to twenty years when Labour were in power, they they basically just copied the new labor model and just simply made it slightly better. So just like, just like any invention, really, you can create a new invention or you can get an invention that already exists, but make it slightly better. Um, and that's or product, I should say, to make it slightly better. So that's what they did. They basically just made the, we had David Cameron then who was basically Tony Blair Mark two. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really it. And it all sort of, and, and in between those 20 years, they kicked out all the sort of liberty-leaning kind of conservative people and also the conservative people. And now, in my opinion, the, the, the conservative party is a, is a left of center authoritarian party. Um, and that's, that's sort of what's happened. And it, they're not very friendly to libertarian-minded people now in the conservative party. They want it, it, I know people in the libertarian in the Conservative Party who are libertarians or at least libertarian-minded, and they tell me that they have to hide their their 
sort of libertarian market ideas, you know, and ideas of liberty in order to progress in the party to perhaps one day become a candidate. Like there was a famous, um, well, semi-famous um, guy who's got, you know, he's got a YouTube channel now and stuff like that. And he was called, he was an MP and he was called Douglas Carswell. And he's a, basically a libertarian really. And he, it was so bad that he actually defected, just like Justin Amash, um, to UKIP, who, and it gave, it gave UKIP their, I, I can't, there was two conservative MPs that defected to UKIP. I can't remember if he was the first one or the second one. The other one was Mark Reckless, um, but Douglas Carswell was a slightly more well-known one. Um, he defected to UKIP because technically, in UKIP's constitute party constitution, they are actually a libertarian party. Like actually says we are a libertarian party, you know, with a small L. I mean, um, but yeah. So it, it got really bad, and and that's why I think the conservatives they're basically they're just new Labour. That's what they are. So you've got basically two two Labour parties in in the, the two major parties are basically the Labour Party, but one's one's the sort of more socialist almost far left uh, uh, Labour Party and the Conservative Party are basically the new Labour model, the Tony Blair model. But mm -hmm. So they're both left-wing parties, just one's more left than the other. And there's nothing wrong with being left, by the way. I'm not saying that left-wing is evil because I don't really see the world in left versus right anymore. I see the world in like the political compass test, like you've got left versus right. I see it, the world in authoritarianism versus libertarianism. That's how I see it. So you can have left libertarians, you can have right libertarians, as long as you believe in liberty and against authoritarianism. That's that's all I really care about, really, personally. But the point is, is that the Conservative Party is supposed to be a right-wing party, but they're not a right-wing party. They're, they're, in my opinion, a cent at least a centre-left party. That's it. Yeah, and then um, one other thing that you were talking about, the whole uh, Brexit vote and how, you know, here in, in the States, I do remember that kind of being huge news. That, oh, they Brexit won, and people were like, what? Like, this, like, everyone was kind of, not everybody, but a lot of people were surprised. Like, oh, this is crazy. I can't believe they did this. And then, of course, almost it seemed like almost immediately, yeah, like you were saying, people that were in the Remain, you know, realm, yeah. they were thinking, oh, well, we got to do something to stop this. And everybody in the, in the, um, in the parliament and everything like that, they were like, no, yep. we're, we're going to, we're going to do some stuff to make this not happen. And then of course, I, I don't even know if has it even happened yet. I don't think it, it has. No, it, it hasn't really. And I'm, I, I'm all, I'm very skeptical still that it's even going to happen. Like technically we're leaving on new year's Eve or new year's day. We're going to call right. it. Right. But even now I'm still skeptical. We're going to leave. I reckon it's going to be a, there's actually a popular name. It's called Brino, you know, again, Brexit in name only. Um, because whilst, especially now, whilst people are all distracted with COVID-19 and stuff like that, is that this is this, these negotiations are still live. Like, they're still going on right now. And I think, and this is, and I, I do think it, I do generally think that it's going to be sold out. I reckon that it's going to be, yeah, you know, because we had this big celebration on uh, January the 31st, where we're all in... Um, Trafalgar Square, and we all said it. I mean, I was there, but I knew, right, that because it was a historic moment, but I knew that this wasn't us really truly leaving the EU. Like, from the 1st of February to this day, we're still actually in the EU. You know what I mean? Like, we're still taking rules from the EU. 
And I was very much against this whole withdrawal agreement that we're going through now because we're actually in a worse situation right now in this point of time because now we don't even have, as useless as they are, we don't even have MEPs, members of the European Parliament, in the European Parliament. So essentially, and we're still being taxed. So essentially, this is taxation without representation. We have no, we have absolutely no voice right now in, in the EU, but yet they're still pumping through these regulations, passing God knows what laws are being passed right now in, in the European Parliament. And we've just got to take it until we leave on the 31st. So I just think that we're going to be sold out because Boris Johnson, I don't care what anyone says, he, he, is, a, he is a Remainer. Like he might, because back in the day he was a Remainer and there was this bit of a scandal when he was a journalist. Um, he actually wrote two articles. Um, so he was an MP and he was a journalist and he, he get well, he contributed to a, a paper, I mean, he he wrote a paper which was pro remain and he wrote a he wrote an article that was pro brexit and this was found out you know because he basically he was hedging his bets you know what i mean for before the referendum for the result came in this came out a week before the referendum and obviously he, he i think he saw where the wind was blowing and to suit his career path to eventually become pm which obviously worked He's now a Brexiteer, but I don't think he is Brexiteer. I think he is a Remainer, and I think he's gonna uh, he's gonna secretly sell us out by writing in some clause into this withdrawal agreement if we have an agreement with uh, the EU, and it's going to be some nonsense. I mean, Nigel Farage is still uh, he's still uh, you know speaking about oh if Boris doesn't do this now he's you know and all this sort of stuff. That's why he's still got the Brexit party at the moment because as soon as this sellout comes, he's gonna. Um, activate the Brexit party again because the Brexit party is sort of like a pop-up party. It's not really a party, but it is at the same time. So there's no active Brexit party people right now. They're sort of like asleep at the moment. But as soon as they're as soon as they're um, as soon as there's a sellout of any case, he's just gonna. That's what he, that's basically he's he sort of threatened um, the the all of the MPs in the in the UK and say that if any of you vote for any um, pro EU kind of law or amendment or whatever, we're going to put a candidate in your constituency. So that's that's basically what he said about almost a month ago now. So that's what's going on. Yeah, and it kind of just it, it would strengthen the argument that because this was the, this was a vote that was given to the populace. Like, hey, do you want to remain yeah. in the EU or do you want to leave? Okay. And leave. They weren't expecting it. Yeah. They were not, it's like Trump. They were not expecting it. They, the, right. the whole establishment, and when I say the establishment, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about just simply government. I'm talking about the whole of the state, like all of the institutions of the state, the mainstream media, um, you know, all of, all of these bodies, they're all... They're all Remainers, all of them. Like, you know, all of the powers, all of, you know, they are all Remainers, and they couldn't believe. That's why it was so hard for them to accept. They generally thought that it, it must be a trick. You know, it must be some sort of level of corruption. They couldn't accept. They're so out of touch as well, is that because when the power, this is why I love, I, I love um, direct democracy. I love referendums. I want more referendums. You know, they've tried to taint the establishment. They've tried to taint the, the word of, of referendum and make it like a bad, like a bad sort of system to use. 
But I'm like, no, mate, I want more of this because then it gives power back to the individuals right. and we can, you know, we can we can do all this. So that's, that's the reason why, um, just to slightly go off topic, that if I run for um, assembly member as an independent, my main aim, my main platform will be to campaign to have a, a referendum for the London Assembly. I think I think it's a totally useless body. Like it's just more taxation for a useless institution that also, and if you get rid of the London Assembly, you get rid of the mayor of the office of the mayor of London because it, it's absolutely, it gives the people think that, oh, mayor of London, that sounds really powerful, really like a really important position, but it's an illusion of power. The, the, the mayor of London only has two jobs. It's police and and transport. That's, mm. that's all the mayor of London has. And he screwed, and at the moment, he absolutely screws them two up right now at the moment. Like, the, the roads in, in London at the moment is absolutely shambolic. Like, it's a massive scandal going on with roads at the moment. Um, so he's already failing at that. And I just want to just get rid of the London Assembly because back in, uh, I think, 1999, there was a referendum to have a London Assembly and a Mayor of London position. So people think that, oh, Mayor of London, that's been around for hundreds of years. No, there's only been three mayors of London. There's only been around since the year 2000. Um, and there was a referendum, and obviously majority said, yes, we want it, because it sounds all nice, doesn't it, I suppose, on paper, that, oh, we can have a Mayor of London. Wow, that sounds really good. But 20 years of it, and they're all terrible. Like, you know, it's just they've made, they've done loads of damage, you know, like, and it's just worse. So I want to... Um, basically abolish the uh, uh, London Assembly. And that's what I'll sort of run on in that ticket. And, but I won't just go in. I, again, you don't have, if you're an Assembly member, you can't make legislation, anything like that. They're sort of useless like the MEPs as well, the, the AMs, the Assembly members. Um, they don't really do anything. But but just like UKIP sort of taking a leaf out of their book uh, is they, like Nigel Farage and co, they even though they have no power to get us out of the European Union as MEPs, they still went there to promote that message to that campaign to leave. So again, I want to do a sort of similar and hopefully, you know, be elected and sort of then, then within the London assembly when it's filmed and stuff like that, this is how, because this is how Farage became famous. This is how he became a well-known politician because he gave these speeches, anti-EU speeches within the European Parliament and that's how he became well known on YouTube and stuff like that. So I'm gonna do similar, just do the same kind of thing where, you know, just talk why do we need a London Assembly for? Why can't we give why don't we just give power back to the local councils? Because we have local councils and local boroughs, you know, just endless layers of bureaucracy, you know. We've got local councillors We've got all of these other things, like we've got London, we've got boroughs. Why don't we just give power, make it as local as possible to to the people? Because I want to see, you know, I I, I want to see my my politician in the same shop as me, or or down the pub, or whatever. You know, that's that's why I don't know. I don't want to never not see them. You know, I want to see them all the time, so I can go. Hang a minute, what's going on with that rope, or whatever? You know, like that. That's how I think it should be. So I think we need to return power, like back, make it as local as possible. And when it's caught up in the, in the London Assembly, I mean, people don't even know who the hell their Assembly members are. It's like the it's like the European Parliament. No one knew who the who their MEP was. It was just, it, you know, it was just a pointless job. You know, like, and it was easy cash, easy money. Didn't do anything. No one ever emails them because no one knows who. They don't even know. 
I, I bet they don't even know about assembly members. Never, never mind um, who who their uh, uh, assembly member is. You know what I mean? So they they go straight to the MPs or the local councillors. Wow, yeah, that's that's crazy. If you don't even know who your representatives are, quote unquote yeah. representatives, yeah. And, and again, you know, you vote for something and it wins, and yet they're still trying to do something to. I, I don't know. The whole thing is messed up, and I don't know. It, it's like. It's like, yeah, if, if, you get, if you're going to give the people this vote and then they vote in a way you don't want them to, it's, it's like how come the people who voted, maybe because they're just completely their, – their heads are up their ass. I have no idea. But the people who are looking at Remain and they're thinking, you know, I, I love democracy and everything like that. I want the – you know, if, if this wins, then yeah, that's what the people wanted this, but – when it comes to this, I don't want that kind of democracy because it wasn't what I wanted, you know, but that's what democracy is, is when the majority rules over the minority. Well, this is one of the things that the majority wanted. And yet- they don't see that. They don't see that because they right. think that they are the morally, you know, yes, yeah. they, 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 it's like Antifa really. They go like, yes, we know that fascists use these tactics of, you know, like stomping on people's heads and, you know, and, and, and closing down events and all that. But yeah. when we do it, because we're the chosen ones, we're the good people. When we do it, it's okay because we know better than you. Because yeah. we're the good guys, and I was just, and then you, but that's what they fought too, <laughs> you know. Like so, it's just this never-ending vicious cycle. So yeah, and I've had, I've had, by the way, I've, I've been a, um, the first ever time I stood before Parliament. You can check it out on online and stuff. Um, I stood in, funny enough, my old hometown, Lewisham East. There's, there was a by-election or a special election, as you guys call it. And I just thought, help, yeah, why not promote the party, promote me? Yeah, why not? Let's uh, let's, let's go and uh, stood. I never did a day of campaigning because, like I said, that to speak a message of liberty in a in a bar in a constituency that is totally dominated by Labour, it, yeah. it you know, it's just you're not don't waste your time you know what i mean like it, it, it's it's one of the safest um labor areas in the country and plus we're an unknown party the, the, you know the, the cost benefit you know it's just there's just no point so i guess i i had i had loads of fun to be honest with you because i was free to say certain things that perhaps i wouldn't normally say but because there was no chance of me winning so you know i'm always at that case where what have you got to lose you know what, what have you really got to lose so I remember the one and only hustings that this that this by election held was in uh funny enough a a oh, what's it um, damn it I can't remember it now. The cha- it's a charity, um and, and a, a a religious charity. Oh damn it, I've forgotten. But anyway, it was uh it was like a you know a church uh hall and Again, like you know, all of these Antifa lot turned up because there was a candidate running. Um, there's a controversial character called Anne Marie Waters. Like it was, it was, it was a funny election because all of these characters were all, you know, all these sort of wrong and kind of characters were all standing in the same election, you know, mm-hmm. including me. And and that and one of the guys who now I'm actually on his how uh, helping him out of his campaign. Um, a guy called David Curtin. He's actually running for mayor of London at the moment, um, and he's also an assembly member within the London Assembly. So I'm actually helping him. So it's funny that's where he met. He was under the UKIP ticket. I was under the Libertarian Party, um, 
and there was all these other like monster raiding loony party person it was all these sort of crazy characters and our hostings got closed down because there was a massive basically there was a massive riot um outside on the streets and then you know almost ironically i i i gave a speech um it's again it's all online you can see it um i gave a speech about how our freedom of speech is being is being threatened at the moment, you know, and even Anne-Marie Waters, who couldn't even make it in the door because there's all fighting going on outside because they're, they're there to keep her out, basically. We can't even have this, we can't have this debate because we've got all of these lot outside who claim to be like these good, noble, decent people, and they're the ones shutting down, acting like fascists, and they call themselves the anti-fascists, you know, like, it's, it's, you know, it's unbelievable. So and as I gave that speech, police inspector walks in the guy in charge and he just said right we've got to shut down the event and i was just like well there you go I'm, you know i'm justified aren't i there's there's my there's my thing and i wouldn't let it go i said well you know what there's a pub around the corners so i knew i knew the area well and i said let's go let's go to this pub and let's not let these lot um you know disrupt democracy and stuff like that and let's go into this pub and continue our hustings and only me um, UKIP guy, Democrats and veterans, and a monster raving loony party, um, but, you know, a parody party. We were the only one. It was best night, you know, hilarious night, you know, um, stuff like that. So, yeah, that's the sort of that's the world we live in at the moment, especially what's going on in uh, the UK at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, going back to uh, what we we're gonna kind of the main thing that we were wanting to talk about mm. is the whole Libertarian Party. Uh, over there in the UK and kind of the reason because you said that you were in the party and then you had left the party so can you kind of talk about that backstory and kind of what led to those yeah things? so after I was no longer in well I was never in the Liberal Democrats um, but I became sort of politically homeless and I found that party and I joined and I, I thought it was fantastic became a member um, and I quickly sort of gained um, popularity um, people seem to like what I was saying and doing. I'm very proactive, you know. Like I said, I've I've done, mm-hmm. I've done three election, uh, sorry, four elections within three years, and that's that's big. You know what I mean? That so that just showed how proactive and keen that I was. Where usually the average is one election every four years, and I've done four in in three years. You know what I mean? So it was quite a a big thing. So eventually. I was elected by the membership onto the national committee. And basically a national committee is essentially the government of the party, we should say. And I started noticing the the very very day I was elected onto it, I could sense that there was um, some People weren't happy that I had been elected onto the national committee. I could sort of sense that, but I couldn't really prove it. You know, like it was just a feeling, and didn't think much of it. And then I was elected only back in January, by the way. So I've been in the party for three years, and I was elected onto it eventually, or in January, just gone. It feels like a lifetime ago now, um, due to what's going on. Um, so, so eventually, I was noticing stuff because I'm very outspoken and I just say it as it is really and I started noticing that although we speak a lot of libertarian um, points and values and stuff like that in terms of our practices we don't seem to do as we say so for example we're allegedly a minute officially we're a minute 
Libertarian Party is a minarchist party where, you know, they believe in the most minimal form of state, you know, and the most mim mim uh, minimal form of government. Mm. So, but yet our government, the National Committee, was constantly growing and not just growing with elected people, but even worse, it was elected, it was, it was, it was becoming stuffed with appointed people. So I was actually one of the only few people who was actually elected onto the National Committee. So we, so even though, so this is sort of some of the hypocrisies I was noticing is that we are officially against the House of Lords, um, which is, which are all appointed people, you know, peers, you know what I mean? Like, so we've got the House of Commons and House of Lords, House of Commons, MPs are elected, House of Lords, people are appointed. Usually they're ex-MPs or bishops or, or, you know, whatever, like some, some, something like that. Um, and I was like, well, hang a minute, it's on our manifesto, it says we're against the House of Lords and we're also against the European Commission, people who are appointed, but yet our national committee is becoming more and more stuffed with appointed people with, with some of them with, with no role, with no role. So, hmm. so they can't, so they're not elected. They're not accountable to any of the membership because they've never been elected and they can't be removed. So there was sort of stuff like this that I was pointing out and I'm going, well, hang a minute. Like I don't, this is the thing. I, I could even come to a compromise and say, well, I don't mind them being on the national committee but what gives them the entitlement to have a vote in what we say? So they can be on a national committee, but if they're not a party constitutional role, then I don't see why they should vote. Because I started noticing there was a specific individual on this um, national committee who, in my opinion, fought because he's one of the original members. Um, the party's only about 13 years old. Um because he's one of the original members, he thinks that he owns is the property of his. So he was, I've noticed that over the years, he was appointing people. And then look at all the voting record. They all vote in unison to him. And I believe that this faction, therefore, was very authoritarian. And the ideas that we're coming up with, I, you know, I mean, it's that joke, isn't it, about, oh, you're not a real libertarian, you know, this sort of stuff. I mean, I was, I was actually, one of my accusations was that I wasn't, a, believe it or not, I wasn't a real libertarian. It was almost, I laughed when I read it because I was brought up on these trumped up charges and one of them was I'm not a real libertarian. And I said, hang on a minute, I, I thought we were above this as a professional um, political party, but clearly not. So what happened was, is that, Dan Lillicott, that's why I wish he was, he was here to sort of um, just uh, confirm. Yeah. Um, he suddenly resigned one day. He was party chairman. And that's a big deal. You know, the party chairman suddenly resigns. Mm -hmm. And we were like, oh, didn't think nothing. Well, I did think something of it, but we thought, well, maybe he's just, he's got a lot of stress on. And at the end of the day, this is a voluntary role. Like We all got jobs. We all got families. You know, you know what I mean? It's just a voluntary role. Maybe just had enough. Um. But it was very odd because the day before he was, you know, going on about the party conference and stuff like that. And then suddenly he was resigned. And then I started getting these sort of messages from people saying that, Sean, do you know you have a lot of enemies on the National Committee? And I was like, no. I was like, what, what do you mean? Like, so there's people who don't like you and they want you out, you know, and I'm, I like to think I'm a very friendly, um, 
you know, obviously this is me being subjective, but I, I think many people would say so, is that I'm very easy to get along with. I'm not really, yes, I do say some things, some truths sometimes, but, but you know, I'm not, I'm not like a horrible person or anything like that. But yeah, so there was a faction that has been basically conspiring since the very day I was elected um, to get rid of me. And, and that was it. And yeah. And so, so what happened was, is that um, it all came out eventually in, um, in, into the light about what happened. It was all very, um, they wanted me out and they put this sort of, and basically what the reason why Dan Lillicott resigned was, was because um, this faction, this group, um, they had presented evidence. And I use that very loosely that I was this, I don't know, wrong, wrong in person. There was five, five accusations against me that, you know, one, I'm not a real libertarian. Um, two, I'm far right and a racist. And that, that in itself is libelous. Like, never any proof was given to that. It was in black and white. I am a racist. It, nonsense, right? Um, third accusation was, oh, God, what was it? Um, oh, I stood, I was a candidate for the Brexit party. Um, it's just like, no, I wasn't a candidate for the Brexit party. But what, what they confused it with was that the Brexit party contacted me once because I go to loads of these um, uh, meet, meetings, like there was Leavers of London, um, there was the Adam Smith Institute, you know, loads of sort of London-based things. And I would go and proudly represent the Libertarian Party because if I didn't go, no one else would, you know what I mean? So and I would talk and network with people, you know, from all other different parties, you know, and, and individuals and whatever. And I happen to get to know the Brexit Party people who were also at these events. Um, and they called me up one time um, just before the general election, just gone in December, and they asked me to, because they knew I was kind of a working class guy, you know, like a uh, firefighter, postman, uh, you know, been, been in St. John Ambulance uh, volunteer, you know, done all these sort of different service jobs. They wanted me to stand against Jeremy Corbyn um, in his constituency for the Brexit party. And Jeremy Corbyn is like the Bernie, your Bernie Saunders, basically. He was like that. He was leader of the Labour Party at the time. And... Um, that was quite a big thing and I, I could have accepted it but i i didn't because i said well thank you but um I, i'm a libertarian party guy and that was it really so that's what they that was the third accusation um i can't remember what the other one was now oh the fourth one was oh it, you know these nonsense childish claims like sean follows uh sean follows the ukip uh, account on on twitter and it's like, so, so yeah. what? you know what I mean? Yeah, I follow all of the small party uh, people because I want to keep an eye on a competition. That's that's the you know I follow Sadiq Khan and and Boris Johnson. Does that make me a Labour or Conservative party person? You voted Remain, I suppose. You know, it it, it was <laughs> it was childish. Yeah, like, and what made it even more funny was the guy who was compiling the evidence against me. Or, or helping compile the evidence against me was literally a UKIP candidate only two or three years ago, and I went, "This is ridiculous." I mean, you—I've never been a member of UKIP, you know. I've never been—I've never even voted UKIP in my life, you know. And they—and yet the guy was—you know—it was—it was—it was comical. Um, 
So all this was going on, and basically Dan Lillicott, had, he saw this evidence. This is before I even knew about it. He saw all this, and he dismissed it, rightfully so, I think, because mm. it was just nonsense accusations, no no evidence to support it whatsoever, and he threw it out. And basically this faction, didn't, they didn't like that they didn't get their way, so they, they basically uh, all, nearly practically threatened um, Dan Lillicott and said that, well, if you don't do as we say and get rid of Sean Finch, then we're all going to leave and it's going to cause this. And none of the national committee members have any confidence in you, you know, lies. And we're all going to leave in protest. And it, was, it was all this like, you know, uh, threats almost. And and then Dan Lillicott thought he had lost confidence in, which was not true at all. So he resigned. And so eventually it all came out in the open. This is how it all went down. And um, they basically wanted to get rid of me. And they say, right, the new interim chairman, who was one of my accusers, he straight away, first thing, right, we're going to have this vote to see if we can get rid of Sean. Now, they, they didn't want to just simply get rid of me from the National Committee. They wanted me totally gone from the party because they probably knew that if I challenged for leadership, I would win because the membership liked me you know that's the reason why i was elected in the first place yeah so i probably would have became the party leader or or party chairman i don't know but uh, it was never something i wanted to do but in order to fight this faction i probably would but so there was a vote that was going to happen and this is again to me and this is this is i can prove this because it's actually in it's a public document it's the part it's the libertarian party uk's party constitution and what basically it is is that the they don't believe in one of the most basic principles in English liberty, and that is the rule of law or a separation of powers, because in it, the executive body, i.e. the National Committee, is also the judiciary body. So there's no separation between the executive and the judiciary. And guess what? The judiciary or the National Committee are also five of them are my accusers. So... This became literally a kangaroo court because so I was going to face this trial and some of my accusers were my judges, my jury and my executioners. So and guess what? The appeals committee, like the Court of Appeals in the again, written in black and white in a party constitution, the appeals committee is also the executive body. So, it's, you know, and, and think about this logically. I even said this in my in my defence um, on you know in my uh, when I was speaking or whatever I can't remember now. Um, I said that why that the reason why we have a different court and a, a court of appeal and and the other courts is because why the hell would the same court ever find ever turn over that previous decision if it's made up of literally the same judges and it's the same court? It doesn't make any sense. You know that's the whole point. There's no rule of law here. You know, so and also my judges are my accusers, you know, so it became it all it only became a formal process to find me guilty. That's that's all it was. It was no impartiality, no fairness. The 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 gent the, the gentleman, I use that term loosely, who were my accusers had no decency to even step down to uh ex, you know excuse themselves from this process. They wanted to be part of it to get rid of me. Whereas if it was me, for example, and I was accusing you of um of of some whatever some nonsense i would at least excuse myself from that process but they didn't want to do that so 
we so what happened was then there was a mass exodus of not only national committee members including the party leader but also uh, it's hemorrhaged all of these members because we all then realized that this party was only libertarian in name only because we started seeing all of these like all very authoritarian practices going on so what happened was is after the party chairman resigned the party leader resigned and the Welsh coordinator resigned, the student leader resigned, and the IT coordinator resigned, the party secretary resigned, um, the nominating officer resigned, and then I eventually resigned, and then about half an hour later, the party treasurer resigned. So now it's just made up of a total skeleton crew. I mean, they've appointed some people, I, I assume, I don't know. Um, and also, I know so many people who have said they're not renewing their membership and they're not going back to the party. Um, so the, the, the great po there is some poetic justice here because the whole point was the reason why they wanted to get rid of me because they thought I was some kind of danger, some sort of ticking time bomb. And they just didn't like me because I was just saying, I was asking questions a lot, like why are you on this national committee? You know, who are you accountable to? You're appointed, you know, and all of this sort of stuff. Um, they didn't like it, want to get rid of me, but they thought that the excuse was that I was going to cause this mass exodus and book the great irony is by behaving like authoritarians, they've actually caused probably the biggest hemorrhage of membership in the party's history. So, do you know what I mean? So that's what happened. So basically it's in a death spiral. Um, they're trying to do a lot of damage control, I've seen. Like uh, there's a lot of, I think, dishonesty. I don't know. Now I don't have access to membership anymore. I don't know how many members they actually have. But they claim that now there's this massive surge in membership and they need a office. Um, to, to, we never had an office, you know, because, again, it was it was too small a pie, you know, and, and but they claim that they need an office, you know, unless they're thinking of getting out a, a, a treehouse or something. Like, I, I can't really understand why, why they need an office. So that's what's basically happened. Um, and I think it's all damage control. And I think the party's in a death spiral just like UKIP, because UKIP's pretty much gone now. Um, and that's it. I reckon they only have about 100 members left, but maybe wow. maybe more. I don't know. I don't know. I can't say. It's only speculation. So that's what's happened. And now we've all... But the, the great thing is, though, I mean, like, although I was quite sad had to, to have to resign, because I, actually, I never actually gave them the pleasure to attend that kangaroo court, Um I resigned 15 minutes before it, and mm. I, I told my regional, i.e., the people that voted for me, because um, technically, again, again, this is another claim. Like we claim to be, the party claimed to be a regional party, where it was like states, you know, like uh, the states have uh, um, full full authority over themselves. But you know, not really. You know, it's just a. Just, I mean, like we called, we didn't call our national committee the national. Usually, it's called an NEC, a National Executive Committee, but we called it an NCC, a National Coordinating Committee. But it was an executive body. You know, what I mean, it was just this sort of politician talk. You know, where it wasn't really what it claimed to be. Um, so, I told my regional um, coordinating committee that I resigned, and then I told the national committee that I resigned. Um, and yeah, it was pretty sad at the time, but but now in retrospect, it's it's great actually. You know, it's like a giant weight off my shoulders now because now I can go to 
events because there was always this crap about oh you got to tell us what events you're going to before before you go to it in case there's some dangerous speaker that might say things or whatever you know like so there'll be 10 speakers there were 10 of them nine of them they'd agree with but if there was one individual who didn't agree with it would be oh no you'll bring a party in distribute you know it's all this sort of nonsense um but now it's great i've got a big weight off my shoulder and, and i've moved on to sort of uh better things now where i mean half an hour after i publicly resigned on facebook um I got a call from David Curtin, who I said earlier, who we met because I stood against him as a candidate. Um, and he's currently also a, an assembly member in the London uh, London Assembly, City Hall. Um, and he said, Sean, look, I'm running for mayor of London. I want you on my campaign because I, I know you're a bit proactive and you do a lot more than the average person. I went, yeah, sure. I think, yeah, let's, let's do it. Yeah, you know, so I like David. And... That's what that's what I'm doing at the moment, helping him run for mayor of London. So he's he's also created a, a political party as well called the Heritage Party. Um, with, last week it's actually come out now. Um, and I, I told David, I said at the time, I said, look, um, he told me he went, you know, I'm not a libertarian. This is his word. Says I'm not a libertarian, Sean. I'm a I'm a conservative. It's not going to be a libertarian party. It's going to be a social conservative party. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, I'm not a conservative, I'm a libertarian. So he went, yeah, but obviously we do have certain values that do overlap. Do you know what I mean? Like some things. It's like, and I say that with the left, I say that with sort of left libertarian people. It's like we, we all can, there's certain things that we can all get alongside with, like stuff like, I don't know, like um, end wars, you know, like end, uh, end the sort of uh, military complex kind of stuff. Right. Julian Assange, for example. Um, you know, there's all of these kind of uh, ideas, you know, legalization of drugs, perhaps stuff like that. We can all sort of get on board with, you know, it doesn't always have to be left, first, right nonsense. Right. So that's, that's what's happened at the moment now. Um, yeah. So that's what we're doing. I've created this group. Well, I've not created it, but uh, another guy, Kieran, has. Um, and I'm, I'm an admin in it. I mean, the Liberty Movement, um, England. So just trying to get people on left and the right, but libertarians to, uh, or liberty-minded people, as I say, and get them on board and to try and create, you know, this liberty, like a sort of tea party-like movement, but not, but not make it a political party, simply make it a cultural thing. Because now I do seriously believe, like Andrew Breitbart famously said, you know, culture, uh, uh, politics is downstream from culture. And you have to change the culture before they would ever think of voting for any kind of liberty-minded party. You know, like, you know, I was doing it the wrong way, really, by trying to get, not false, but try and get people to vote for a libertarian party where we're not really in a libertarian society. Do you know what I mean? So why would they? You've got to bring the horse to the water first. So now this is a cultural kind of movement. Um, the liberty movement is simply as that. And it's just basically, if anyone can change, we can just hopefully try and change the culture. Um, because unfortunately, in England at least, and looking like and Victoria and Australia as well, is that people don't seem to like freedom anymore. They seem to like to be told what to do. And that's quite sad, really. You know, and it's really, it's, it sort of blackpilled me in a way as well. Because, um, you know, I never thought people would stand for this um, uh, the lockdowns and stuff like that. You know, I've, I've, I've been against these lockdowns since day one. Um, I don't know what your opinions on that is, but that's just my personal view. 
And I think especially now, they are not required at all. But here we are still still sort of in this um, in this sort of situation that we find ourselves in. And they're getting, they're getting stricter as well. They're not – you would think that surely if there's less deaths, you know, and it'll be um, more – you know, more or less tighter restrictions, but it's getting worse. I'm having arguments all the time with people now, you know, like simply going into shops and stuff. Oh, we've got to do this. You've got to do that. You know, and it's just like, Oh God, do you know what I mean? It wasn't, was not like this at the peak at all. You know, it was more sort of, it's more free, more freedom, ironically during the peak of it. Well, I remember too, when here in the States, when it was kind of just starting a little bit, you know, with the whole uh, wearing a mask and all that stuff, my wife and I would wear a mask right like towards the beginning and people would look at us like we're crazy. Like we were, you know, I guess we were like aliens taking over the earth or something. We're looking yeah. at us. What are you wearing a mask for? Now it's the complete opposite. Now, if you're not wearing a mask, they're looking at you like they're like you're they just committed a murder or something like that, you know? And yeah. So, but uh, yeah, kind of, so kind of going with um, some of the things that you're talking about with the uh, LP UK. Yeah, over there. I'm just going to turn on, turn on the light. Because it's oh, okay amazingly dark in well that's just that's just uh, that's, the, that's that's england for you mate uh yeah, yeah it's amazing how it was kind of light and all of a sudden super dark yeah, I know, I know. um so but some of the things that that you had uh that you had said where this committee were you know they were doing all these accusations towards you and everything and then they were yeah. also going to be the same people who are going to i guess judge on these on this on the quote unquote evidence or whatever if now now if there was like a separate i would say one thing yeah right before okay. that okay five accusations made one of them was actually true there was one real one now i'm not massively proud of this yeah but i'm just going to say it right um one of the accusations was that sean got uh there was because what we used to have what they well, I think they have now. Well, actually, no, they probably don't because of the whole um, social distancing stuff. We used to have uh, meetups in pubs, you know, like, so we have a monthly meetup, you know, anyone to come along, see the party, speak to the people, you know, this sort of stuff. And it was in a pub, right? And one of the accusations was is that, uh, oh, Sean got really drunk one time at a, a libertarian party meetup. And he, um, he, he basically next door to this pub that we have in central London are the channel four studios. Channel four is like the, one of the state's TV um, things, sort of like the BBC. A lot of people don't know the BBC actually own channel four as well. Mm. Uh, you know, even though they're a public body. So, and they're sort of like one of your, what do you like the ones that people mock NSPCC, whatever you call it, like one of those um, CNN kind of like one that's yeah. sort of very, you know, very against Brexit and hate Trump, you know, like one of these kind of um, uh, ones. Anyway, so next door to the pub is their studios, Channel 4 Studios, and they have a giant fork, the number four structure, like a metal Channel 4, but, you, but it's like scaffolding, you can actually climb it. Um, you're not meant to climb it. Um, and one of the accusations was that Sean got drunk one time and then he climbed the Channel 4, <laughs> 4 structure and then he planted a Gadsden flag on the top of it, you know, like the, you know, like the don't tread on me flag. Hmm. Yeah, 
that's true. <laughs> that's a, that, did, that did actually happen. But, you know, and I did, at my defense, I did, I did apologize. You know, well, you know, I said that, look, yeah, you're right. This is actually the only real true accusation that is actually real. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I did, I made an error of sort of combining business with pleasure because it, coincidentally that very same night, it was actually my birthday. Hmm. But the funny thing was one of my, the, one of my accusers, he was the one buying me, he was buying me quite a lot of drinks as well. So, uh, you know, and we were, we were, we were all, we were all quite drunk, you know, um, it was all of this. And at the time as well, I wasn't a, I wasn't a national committee member. I was just simply a standard member of the libertarian party. You know, I didn't have any, um, this was like a couple of years ago now. This is when I one of the when I first kind of joined, or so I think it was anyway. Um, but I, I wasn't I, I wasn't at least I wasn't a national committee member. I was just a standard member. But you know, it's just digging up stuff, and you know, I totally forgotten about it. Um, but yeah, they brought that up. You know, it was all of this, and everyone. It's funny because all all the members that I told that what happens, and I say that story, they they always come out with. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Like, if anything, that I would, I would, I would vote for you more. <laughs> you're, like, you're actually like one of the people, you know, you're not just trying to be all stuck. Yeah, I know. But I, you know, I, I sort of said, yeah, you know, I excuse my uh, laddish behavior. You know, like, I, I don't, I'm not a person who, uh, you know, I'm the sort of person where, like, during a weekday, I've got a sort of work ethic of when I work, I work. And when I'm out, I'm out. So during the entire, weekdays i never touch booze i'm actually tea, a teetotal practically but i don't even i don't even really drink tea or coffee i've I just had a coffee earlier and that's the first coffee i've had all month i think uh just to sort of boost me up a bit yeah. but i really just drink water the entire week but come the weekend well saturdays i don't even go out friday come saturday yeah i uh i have i have a few beers um but but then come sunday and the rest of the thing i don't really drink at all so it's just this sort of they were i think they were trying to paint me as some sort of you know alcoholic or whatever it was this kind of sort of nasty you know nasty sort of politics they were playing you know and and, and again like all of all of the all of the other guys the, the guys who resigned they they all saw it and a lot of people in the uh, liberty movement in um in in the uk here uh they I think they they saw you know they saw it because they, they believed that there was that the, the perception was was that there was an internal war going on in the national committee where there was two sides fighting each other. Mm. But that's not accurate at all. What it was is that there was one group, one sort of collectivist group surrounded by one individual, um, and then the rest of the other side was just simply individual minded people who had no loyalty to each other you know and when those guys resigned in in uh not unison they all sort of it was like a domino effect they all started leaving um i never once asked those guys to resign or or do anything like that you know and i, and I would never i would never ask that because well, I just wouldn't, you know, to ask someone to resign in support of me is, I don't think it's the right thing to do, but they all did it regardless. And, you know, and I, and I've, and I, and I do thank those, those guys for doing what they, what they did, you know, because they didn't, they saw what was going on and they didn't want to be there. What they said was, was that they didn't want to give credibility 
to a kangaroo court. You know, they didn't want, they didn't want to turn up to it and give it any sort of officialdom. So they all resigned. Um, and we've also, uh, since then, we've we've released a joint um, statement because what the Libertarian Party UK did then was is that again in this sort of form of damage control, in my opinion, they produced this article which basically painted us as um, uh, I can't remember populists and uh, mm. sort of far right kind of people, you know. And these are these are you know one of these guys are the party leader. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and that really angered me because, look, I don't care what people say about me, right? Because I can, I can fight my own battles, and I don't care what people think. If they, if they want, if they want to think that of me, fine. I don't care. I know myself. I know I'm not like that. Loads of people can back me up on that. I've got no issue with that whatsoever. But then when they paint all of the other guys, nice, decent people, as these, you know, populists. I can't remember the exact word they use. I'm pretty sure it was a populist. And they mean that in a warped kind of version that, you know, basically they're all horrible kind of um, sort of people. Yeah. I, I didn't like that at all. And I, I, and I, I messaged all of them. I said, look, I know we shouldn't be looking back in anger and stuff, but I can't have this. Like, we need to have a joint statement account of that and, you know, put everyone in a good light, you know, and let the members and let people who are in the Libertarian Party decide then what they want to believe, you know, we want to believe the party's stance on it, or we want to believe the people who left stance on it, and then it's up to them whether they want to resign. Again, I've never asked anyone to ever leave the Libertarian parties. It's up to them. Even even my regional uh, team, I said, I'm not asking you guys to go, you know, I'm just saying this is what my opinion of it is. It's up to you to decide whether you want to walk or stay. So we released a joint statement. Um, it's a couple of... Uh, uh, small outlets um, picked it up as well, like Croydon Constitutionalists and um, uh, Chris Wilkinson, uh, people like that. They published it on their sort of outlets, a libertarian listener. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's there to read if, if anyone's ever interested. Um, but, yeah, so that's what's happened. Yeah, it, it, it just seemed like they were just trying to have some kind of excuse to get you out, like you were saying, because you were some, I guess, I don't know, firecracker or something like that oh my goodness this person's coming into this party and he, he got into this i can't believe this is happening you know and then your whole story about how these people in power are painting you in such a way that is you know just completely off base hmm. it's almost kind of something that's similar that that happened here where the libertarian party were, were painting some other libertarians as these these bad people or whatever. And they're, you know, they're, they're, they're talking to people that they don't like and all that stuff. So that's automatically evil. And we can't have these type mm -hmm. of libertarians or whatever. And so it kind of seems similar to what I don't, and, and again, I, I'm not, you know, I'm just kind of going off of what you're saying, but it's just, it's, it, it, it sounds ridiculous because, and, and it's yeah. good that there are people that were supporting you and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah that, that again, it sort of, it did make me, um, uh, it, it, it did humble me, you know, when all those guys did that, because again, I never asked them to do it. Right. There was never like a planned, you know, that faction were definitely, you know, sort of planning things behind closed doors, you know, and, you know, it, you know, I think about it now and I think that throughout all of those times I was on a national committee throughout the months, all very nice to your face. Oh, right. hey, Sean, how are you? You know, oh, great. Yeah, I think that's a really, and then, then it all comes out. And you know, and and all of these accusations made like, like I said, I mean, like liable stuff that you know that you could 
you could technically take to a civil court too and say you've got no you've got no proof you know you've 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 defamed my character by calling mm -hmm. me a racist and and far right and all this nonsense uh, yeah you know there's no accus there's no you know in writing this is in, this is in, not just simply saying it but it's yeah. a document these are the accusations blah 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 you know and i could do that but honestly you know but i i don't you know, I, don't, I just don't look back in anger. You know, that's why I, I just, you know, and it's probably a hassle as well, I imagine. You know, I've never actually done something like that. But, you know, but it, you know, at the end of the day, right, it, it, Libertarian Party, UK anyway, it's not like the US one. US one is huge. We are a pebble. Comparatively, yeah. Com comparatively. Yeah, that mountain, we are a pebble, right? And, <laughs> and, you know, at the end of the day, it's a small party. And unfortunately, what, like, one there was another guy as well who was on um who was in the libertarian it was a big big news because we were we thought that we were really going to start hitting the uh the cusps of the um of, of, of into break into sort of popular mainstream because we actually got a big uh, a guy defected he was a he was an MEP in the European Parliament for he was he was in UKIP and he's called Bill Etheridge and he defected to our party and it was massive you know to have someone you know like a europe a member of the european parliament to defect to that's the, that's like the equivalent of you know like a, a, a senator almost that defect into some unknown party like the constitution you know like you you guys are, you've got a constitutionist party or a reform party you know that, that's huge you know it's big big news and after about three months he left Again, suddenly, you know, like it was just this sort of real odd thing, and he and he's, you know, he's on, a, he's been on a couple of podcasts, and some people ask, why did you leave the Libertarian Party for, you know, like, and again, it's the same same people who are, well, he sort of briefly touched on it, um, but we've had private correspondence since, um, you know, nothing like major, but he's basically same thing happened to him, what happened to me basically, and there was. Um, He's got a quote. Uh, I always it always stuck in my head. He said on the podcast, he said that the party is for the people who they like the idea of being on a national committee, but they don't want to. They don't want to push the pot. They don't want to promote the party. Like they, they're happy in the status that it is, and what the party will basically. This is his quote. You know, like it will. It will. It's. It's um, destined to be a party of. Uh, people in a small room in a pub talking about the nuances of libertarianism and wasting time talking about who's more more of a libertarian than the other person. You know, that that's yeah. what and I have to agree. I think that's what it's destined for. It's destined for elitist sort of snobbery hmm. of like, oh, I'm the real, I'm the one pure libertarian. And I always say, I even gave this in a speech that I gave um, at party conference um, last year. You know, it's online and stuff. And like I said, um, there is no such thing as a one true libertarian. You know, not even people like Ron Paul was a one true libertarian because yeah. the philosophy is so vast. It's such a big, it's, you know, that, that there's all different. I mean, like, minicist libertarian, uh, you know, ANCAP libertarian. I mean, I, I personally recognize myself as a, a voluntarist, you know, a voluntarian is libertarian where I believe in a, in a, in a voluntary society where taxation is actually done by consent. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, and, you know, you have that economic liberty to decide whether you want to send your taxes or switch it off or turn it on them. Because I honestly believe that nothing will ever improve. doesn't matter what, gov what, what party gets into government, right? 
until we make taxation voluntary and we then have we the people have power to go no i'm not funding that particular i'm not funding that foreign war you know i'm not funding the iraq war back in 2002 many people were against that if there was a ref if there was a national referendum for that i guarantee you most people would say no you know what i mean we could have just switched that off you wouldn't have we got this sort of project called in in the uk at the moment called hs2 um high speed two is a it's a super fast train uh, train service, and we've already wasted, or they've wasted, I should say, a hu- almost a hundred billion pounds, and not one track, not one track has even been laid yet. Do you know what I mean? Like, and we, you wouldn't have these projects because you can go, no, I'm not funding for that. Yeah, switch that payment off. You know, you have, you have to change the tax code, obviously, to be a very, be a very long list. But you can go, yeah, I'll keep that one, keep that one. No, switch that one off. The, 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 you know what I mean? Like like the settings of your PC. Yeah, I'll have that on, I'll have that on, no, I won't have that on, you know, this sort of stuff. So that's why, you know, so I'm a voluntarist, uh, libertarian, you know, ANCAPs are, I'm not an ANCAP because I find ANCAPs sort of a bit more of a absolutionist, uh, as in like they believe in absolutes in the sense that we want to get rid of the state. And I'm like, no, you can have your state, but I choose, I'll choose via the money I give via taxation whether I want to be part of that state or not. So I don't want the NHS. I don't want state healthcare service. I don't want the fund HS2. I don't want to fund um, the London Assembly. You know what I mean? They'll have to actually work for my money, like how private businesses and charities do, you know, to actually, and then they'll actually better themselves because they've got to actually um, campaign for my money, essentially. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, you, you know, it's, it's funny that you're talking about just, all the stuff that you were mentioning about the uh, UK Libertarian Party and how, you know, they're, they're talking about libertarianism amongst themselves. And, and yet, you know, because they're in such high positions in this small, tiny party that, you know, I don't know what, like a, a hundred people are in. It's just, well, you're not doing anything because right now you have a bunch of Labor Party, you have a bunch of Lib Dems and some conservatives in there. And where are the libertarians? Oh, they're in some corner in some pub talking, whatever. And yeah, fighting, fighting amongst each other. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's the, it's that joke, isn't it? Like the you know, like the who the greatest enemy to a libertarian is a, is another libertarian. Because right. They'll, yeah. they'll just they'll just waste their time fighting over who's the more libertarian. Do you know what I mean? Like rather than actually yeah. talking about sort of liberty, you know, like fighting injustice. I mean, we've got right now in, in the UK very dangerous legislation that, I mean, you guys at least got people like, you know, Telsey Gabba, who, yeah, she might be a Democrat, but again, I'm like, I've always said, it's not about left and right. It's, you know, I consider her like a left sort of uh, libertarian. Yeah, she, she definitely has some socialist. Uh, yeah. So you've got, yeah. So you've got people like her and grand Paul, whatever, trying to stop this, um, basically trying to stop the sort of espionage um, oh. sort of thing going on. Julian Assange, Edward Snowden, people like that. Um, try and get them to, uh, you know, less sort of state surveillance or whatever. In this country, in the UK, we've got a bill currently going through Parliament that's on its second reading now that's called the uh, Covert, hum- uh, Covert in- Intelligence Human Resources Bill, which basically, if it's passed, which it's looking very likely it will, it's going to make MI5, MI6 all other intelligent agencies plus amazingly the police and and all and hm customs and revenue the environmental agency to allow them 
to perform illegal activity if they wish. So any any criminal activity that the police might do, or or any of these, if the environmental agency, you know, any of these, they they they'll be authorized to do anything they want, anything they want, any illegal act will become illegal. So you won't be able to sue them. You won't be able to do anything. They've basically got immunity. Uh, that, that, and this is this is not well known because we're all, because of mainstream, they're all a part of this, right? That they are constantly distracting us with lockdown and COVID. And I always say, when when you're told to look over there, you got to look, what's, okay, oh, I'm looking over there. what's going on over there though? You know, that's the win. This is what's going on in the parliament. A quiet, this quiet thing's going on. We've managed only to just to find out, but it's too late, I think, in my opinion now. I, I've, I've written to my MP who I stood against. Who we don't have a very good relationship, so yeah. I sort of pretty much destroyed her on, on the stage. Um, but, like, we've got all of this going on, and people are not seeing, because they're caught in this sort of fear, you know, like the of, of COVID, of the lockdown and stuff like this, and we're all sort of fighting nonsense battles, and this is going on right now. And I think it's going to be, I mean, and I question why. Why now? Like, you know, like for the past, since 2002, you know, since 9-11 and stuff like that, right? you would have thought this espionage bill would have passed, it would have been justified for it to be passed then. Within 20 years, we should have, pop, you know, I mean, I think I would be totally against it, whether it was now or then. Right, right. Yeah, I get you saying. Yeah. I mean, like the relevance of it, surely that a bill like that should have been, because their whole excuse is, oh, you know, this is for you know, help the espionage service, you know, and all this. And all. Well, hang a minute. Why didn't you do that 20 years ago then? Why is it now at the peak of terrorism? Surely that would have been the proper time. But now, during a pandemic, yeah, very odd timing, isn't it? Like, you know, that we're, we're doing this right now. So I'm highly skeptical. I'm very suspicious because the police right now in this country, they're, they're arresting people for speaking against government um uh, social distancing guidelines on COVID. I mean, just just two weeks ago, I was at Speaker's Corner, which is like a famous place in, in London where allegedly you have immunity to say what you want. You know what I mean? Um, you know, speak your mind. Speaker's Corner is a great, it's great. You know, Karl Marx famously spoke there. And, you know, all these other sort of well-known historical figures in, 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 in history, you know, because it's always been a bastion of sort of free speech. Yeah. And... Two weeks ago, I was present, witnessed it, filmed it. That um, German, I, I can't pronounce his name, but there's a German doctor. Um, he's sort of well known in the lockdown skeptic community now. Um, he he went to give a speech to Speaker's Corner. He was arrested, you know. And I said, and being on camera, I said that you know, people don't understand that this freedom of speech in this country in the UK has, has really been dead for quite a few decades now, right? But We've always sort of just gone along with it and go, oh, no, it's not. You know, that sort of stuff. And I, and I said that this is the public execution of, of, of liberty in this country, right? When a speaker has been arrested for speaking in speaker's corner. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like this, yeah, it's a, it's a place where he's supposed to do or he's allowed to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. via the Coronavirus Act, right? So we've got that. And now this is going to pop. And that, coincidentally, this other legislation is now about to pass, which gives the power for the police to perform illegal acts. And I can't, yeah, help, I can't help but feel there's a connection here. You see and, what I mean? Yeah, and, so, and just and just saying illegal acts, that can mean anything. 
You know, it, like, yeah. the bill, the bill is called the full name of the bill is called the the human um the covert human intelligence. Then in brackets, criminal conduct resources act. So the so the human um covert human brackets criminal conduct resources act. That's crazy. And it says in it, it says in it, they're allowed, it gives authorization for not just the police and the MI5 and MI6, but all of these other, uh, you know, the tax man, you know, like, you know, has a, has a power to act illegally, you know, like to, to infiltrate and, and all of this sort of stuff. Because I think, it's my opinion, they want to infiltrate these um, pro-freedom rallies and stuff like organizations, and they want to infiltrate. I think they're going to infiltrate, and I think they're going to do things to try and make the um, these movements like Save Our Rights UK, um, Stand Up X is another one, um, Keep Britain Free is another one. I think, it's just my opinion, maybe conspiracy talk as well, I think they're going to infiltrate these things and they're going to do illegal acts to make those movements look like um they're performing that, that gives them a bad sort of public image yeah. you know this, this is this is this is not unknown they used to do this with the ira you know that it's all public you know like mi5 used to um blow up buildings blow up banks and stuff like that and then claim was claim was the ira now the ira is was already bad enough you don't need to blow up other things they're they're already blowing up pubs anyway so you know you don't need to go further blowing up more stuff we already know they're bad but, you know, these came out, you know, I think you had something in America, was it Operation Northwood, where they were doing the same thing, mm -hmm. infiltrating hippie movements and crap like that, you know, and, and Black Panther movement, you know, and doing stuff to make those guys look bad. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's not, it's not unheard of, you know, it's not, you know, the truth is sometimes stranger than fiction. So that's what's going on right now. Um, and I'm sincerely worried we're heading... I mean, we've got barely any civil liberties that it is now. I mean, I'm very worried. And, like, I mean, back in 2019, if I told you that the world was going to be like how it is now, would you would you believe me? Probably not. And what if I told you in 2021 we're going to be pretty much a police state? Is that so unbelievable now? I, I, I don't know. Maybe, hopefully, it won't. But we're getting very, very... Um, I don't know, I just worry. I worry that what's going on. This, you know, like my MP wrote back to me and said that, oh no, no, they're only going to use it for, you know, um, absolute mess. You know, absolute. Yeah, yeah, that's what, yeah. You know, it's just that's what they all say. You know, I think I don't. You don't fill me with confidence, love. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what they all say. They say oh, it's only going to be for this promise and all that. Well, it's just okay. Well, then, but there's that gray area of well they can use it for this because like you're saying Ill illegal activities yeah. can mean anything you know and, and also just just kind of talking about all of that stuff or whatever about how well the police are able to do this and, and all that and the people are just going to take it because and you, we we're kind of talking about it earlier is that people would rather be would rather have people tell them what to do and be safe than freedom because liberty and freedom doesn't mean anything to people anymore. To, to a lot of people at least. And, and it's sad. Yeah. And this goes back to my um, original point when I said about, you know, my old exercise book, one page dedicated to libertarianism. Mm -hmm. I think it's done on purpose. I think that yeah. libertarianism is not taught in schools anymore. They don't teach you about freedom. They don't teach you about, 
you know, all, all of your civil liberties and, and, and why and why they're important and, and why they were fought for, for for centuries and passed down to you, you know, and all this sort of stuff. They don't teach you any of that anymore. It's all it's all just simply the state will look after you. You know, like let, let the state do this for you, let the state oh you don't need to worry about that. And I think the reason why that is is because the ideas of having a big government or a big state to look after you are becoming more and more irrelevant because all of us, we have phones and we pretty much do everything now via our phone. We have a check our bank accounts, we can pay um, you know, all, all these utility bills um, without the aid of the state. You know, we're living in a, the you know, so the ideas of having political parties even and governments, um, or at least the the big governments, I mean, like are becoming obsolete. They're becoming like secondhand. We don't, we don't need these things anymore. You know, I mean, what I always say, what is government? What is it really? I mean, all government is, is just a giant bucket. We all throw our money into, um, well, you know, forcefully, we all throw our money into, and then with, with all that money in that bucket, the government, the elected people just fix, well, they claim they try and fix stuff, you know what I mean? And make it probably worse, but, they, they do all this stuff. But what do we have now? We have GoFundMe. We have we have we have Indiegogo. We have all of these platforms where we can actually raise money in local communities ourselves. I remember last uh back in January, again, it was like a lifetime ago, Boris Johnson sort of let the cat out of the bag when there was this nonsense that people wanted on the 31st of January when we left, we left the EU, we didn't really um uh they wanted Big Ben to bong because Big Ben at the moment is under um, uh, maintenance for the next two years or three years or something. So it's not bonged in a couple, in a couple of years now. And they wanted it to bong. And Boris Johnson turned around and said, oh, yeah, but you would need, it was some ridiculous figure in the millions. I'm going to say 10 million, let's say. And he says, oh, we're not about to pay for that. You'd have to pay, and he said, you have to pay for it yourself. And lo and behold, there was a GoFundMe, and guess what? It's a path for Target. So, I, so I, I was going, there you go. You, you know, yeah. he's, he's proved the arguments of libertarianism. Well, we can do it ourselves. We don't need to go to government and say, hey, can you give our money that you've taken off us and give it to that thing? We can do it ourselves now. So all of these arguments of, of people needing government services to do things for them, and because of that, the state is becoming more and more vicious because they know that they're becoming obsolete and uh, second hat, basically. So they've got so, and when you back an animal into a corner, it gets more vicious, doesn't it? So mm. this is what it's doing now, and it's just becoming more authoritarian, more sort of fascistic, because they know that if people wake up and actually go, oh, actually, we we don't need the government to do that. We just do it ourselves now. They don't want people to think like that, so they suppress all of these sort of liberty sort of um, ideas. In order to promote their sort of, oh, just at the state, the state will look after you. Just do as we say. Just give us some more of your rights, and we'll just, we'll just, we'll look after you. You know, just don't worry. We'll, we won't. We won't. We promise we won't do anything bad with them. You know what I mean? It's just, and like, um, was it Benjamin Franklin who said, you know, never trade uh, essential liberty for um, for temporary security because right. you'll receive neither, and you'll you'll get neither. You know, you deserve neither, really. For it's the ultimate Faustian deal. You know, the devil comes along. Hey. I'll give you this great deal, just give me a soul. You know what I mean? And that's that's kind of like what it's like, unfortunately. But people, um, yeah, they, they, they like, unfortunately, they, like, they don't seem to like freedom anymore at the moment. So that's it. 
well, there is some rebellion though. I've noticed that yeah. Liberty's starting to grow again. I mean, last night um, there was a big street party. You know, everyone gets kicked out of the party. All of the country now shuts down at 10 p.m. All the businesses are made to shut at 10 p.m. All the pubs close. All the fast food joints, everything closes at 10. So people all come out. So this, this is again, this is sort of government, good intentions, bad results, right? Their intention is that, oh, if pubs all close at 10, um, it will stop the spread of COVID. I don't know why, but apparently this is, this is their idea. Just taking a moment to say, if you want to help support us, please donate to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash what's happening, or you can donate to us directly via PayPal. Some examples of patron benefits include early access, the full video library of old content, exclusive polls that will dictate the direction of our show, and merch. Thank you for your support. We really appreciate it. Basically, everyone comes out, out now at 10 p.m. and they're all drunk and they have a big street party now. So that's what, what's going on in London right now. I mean, last night they're having a you know, very English thing. They were having a game of cricket on the streets of London. So there was a big cricket, you know, spontaneous mm. cricket match going on. And people, you know, they were drunk. And, you know, so that's the, that's the result of it. Um, so freedom or, you know, is starting to become a little bit, there's a lot of rebellion now, disobedience going on, civil disobedience going on. Um, yeah, so perhaps now people are going to start rebellion now i'm 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 thinking anyway hoping it's got to hit rock bottom for it before we can move up yeah um well uh sean i really do appreciate you coming on the show and kind of talking about uh your experience with the lp over there in the uk and kind of talking about some of the politics there because i think it's good to you know at least for our audience you know most of our audience i mean kind of not surprising is americans and kind of hearing about other people in other countries and how what you know what they're experiencing over there. I mean, that thing you're talking about with police and other agencies doing pretty much, or at least a bill, letting them do whatever they want. I and mean, that's crazy, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I really do appreciate you uh, talking about all of that. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to uh, kind of plug and let? Yeah, me know well, what you're doing? I, I said about obviously I'm standing for um, London December. So if you've got any sort of London. Um, listeners um you know to hopefully help me in my campaign it's very costly standing elections um nowadays unfortunately um it's actually a thousand pounds to stand as an assembly member um so i finally was talking about gofundmes i've actually got a gofundme um if anyone wants to you know uh, search for it and hopefully donate i've not, not really promoted it too much because i'm not i've been in not too certain whether I'm going to stand, you know, and all this sort of stuff. So, but it's there and I probably will actually. So whether it would be as an independent candidate or perhaps a party candidate, I don't know. I've got a lot of offers from a lot of political parties wanting me to join them. Um, I don't know. I've been a bit jaded through the whole party politics experience. Um, but I might stand as an independent and I wish uh, Dan was here because he could have plugged his... Um, he, so we've all gone we've all got our own little projects going on so you know i'm mayor of uh, helping the mayor of london candidate dave curtain mm -hmm. um dan has created the former chairman's created an organization called independent libertarians where basically it's not exactly a political party it's not officially a political party it's not registered um but basically it gives a network of support for anyone who is liberty-minded who wants to stand as an independent candidate 
Um, and then, you know, we, or at least Dan, and a couple other people, including Adam Brown, who was the party leader of the Libertarian Party, and a guy called Scott Neville, who was also on the National Committee at one point, um, they'll give their sort of expert advice and tell you how to fill out forms and what to expect if you're a new sort of guy standing for, or girl standing for candidate, you know, uh, for, for election, all of that stuff. And he's got a webinar um, on the on Wednesday, the 21st of October, um, he's going to be hosting. So if anyone could join, you know, whether they're US or UK, just to perhaps um, check it out, you know, get some sort of experience about it. Um, yeah, so that's, that's it. And also a couple other... Uh, Adam Brown's got his own libertarian um, party page um, on Facebook. Just type in Adam Brown. Scott Neville also got a uh, Facebook political page. I've got a political page, Sean Finch, Delivering Liberty, um, Twitter, you know, all of this sort of stuff. Um, and Dan Lidicott, obviously, he's got a big political following too. Um, but, yeah, hopefully you can have him on uh, soon because he's – very wise man he is so hopefully you can um very interesting guy hopefully yeah for sure uh so again thank you so much for coming on and for uh you know talking about your experiences and all that good stuff and uh for everyone listening and uh watching thank you for joining us and we'll see you in the next one thank you